You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we are so glad to be here today, so glad that you've brought us together to praise your name and to worship you this morning. This, this morning when we remember the coming of, of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we wonder in absolute awe at, at the King of glory, the creator of everything, that he would come as a, as a fragile, dependent baby, needing care for, needing fed, needing washed, needing fingernails trimmed. And, and though he was there from the beginning, and though everything was made by him, yet this world didn't and, and still doesn't recognize him. And whose own, the, one, the ones who should have known, didn't receive him. And yet, yet Lord, still, to, to all who will receive and believe in his name, to those he gave the right to be called children of God. And so, Father, we want to open our hearts to you this morning. Lord, take us as we are in our, in our flawness, in our rebellion, in our sin, in our stupidity, and forgive and heal and restore us so that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. And like those ancient travelers, fall down on our knees and worship the king. And we pray for this day, Lord, this season, when, when so much of our world is caught up in the in a sordid round of excess and worshipping a materialist God in gluttony and drinking and selfishness and self-centeredness and all the unhappiness that so often is visited on our families and homes at this time. Save us, Lord, we pray. We pray against all, all evil in its, all its forms in society and our, our communities and our homes and the evil that's banging at the door of our own hearts. And we pray, Lord, for for true peace and true love and true joy that can only be found in you. Help us, Father, help us in in our lives, our families, our homes to live out the gospel, to shine, to, to point to you. May our lives sing this good news and work in us and through us, we pray, so that others might see and, and fear and put their trust in you too. And we pray, dear Father, and remember especially those for whom this is a particularly hard time, a difficult, sad time. And Lord, we remember very tenderly, um, particularly Anna, who lost her father in the past year, and David in, in the loss of his beloved Adele. And we remember those of us separated from our families at this time, sometimes far away in, in, in Europe and Asia and Africa and, and the Americas too. Lord, we pray that you would be with them and bless them at this time. And we thank you for uh, Caroline in, in Pakistan and thank you that she's able to come back here for some time. Bless her time here and bless Brock and Drina especially too, Lord. And remember Callum King in Romania and John and Britta and their family and in Germany, and Susan Buchan in France with her student work, Marcia in her studies, 
and Neil and Jenny in their work in the hospital and visiting the prisons. We pray, Lord, that you'd keep them safe and continue to bless them in their work there. So many people, so many, so many names that we want to bring to you, so many faces that come into our minds. Bless them at this time, we pray. And help us to, to be truly faithful in praying for them. We pray, Lord, that you continue to be with Samuel and, and, and that he would be healed fully and, and restored and that the, the, the whole operation will be a tremendous success and a help to him, Lord. And we pray also for Ben Harrison too, that you continue to, to, to be with him. And Michelle, of course, and, and Graham. And we pray for the safe arrival of their child due so, so soon. And for Rosie as well, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for, for the twins, for Isaac and Benjamin, for the progress they made. And we pray that you continue to keep them and help them to grow. We thank you for all our children. We pray that you will help them to grow, but especially we pray that you'd help them to grow to know you as their Savior and their Lord and be able to commit their lives to you. And we pray for others who are sick too, Lord. We pray that you be with Bill Slidders as he moves into, settles into Bridgeview, Bridgeview home. And we pray too for our brothers and sisters in Grace Church who are able to join with us today. We pray that they would know your blessing as they serve you where they are in this time of transition and change. Lord, we pray that you would do a great work through them and that they would know your presence. And hear us now too, Lord, for David as he brings us your word. We pray that you would bless his own heart as we pray that you bless ours too. And may you have the glory in everything. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to God's word. We're actually going to turn to the Old Testament. Uh, we've been looking through the book of Isaiah, and as it happens, we come to the last two verses of Isaiah chapter 62, which is on page 749. And I think that they're a great Christmas song. We've seen that Isaiah 61 and 62 are really songs, and these two verses are a great Christmas song. But um, for the, as I said, for the younger children, there's a crest, but for the older children, you're in here, um, you can help me a wee bit, because what I, want, what I need you to do is two things. One is, I'm going to talk to you every now and then, and hopefully you'll learn at least one thing that you can tell me at the door. Um, and the other is, don't yak away to each other. If you're going to talk, talk to me. That's the way it works. <laughs> but anyone tell me, first of all, did you get any Christmas presents yet? Anyone opened their Christmas presents? Okay. Anyone got any Christmas presents with them? If you've got one with you, bring it up. Let me have a look. Let's see what you've got. Because I'm jealous because I haven't got any yet. Let's have a look. What is that? It's a what? Is it dangerous? No. Okay. That's great. What have you got? Story cubes. What a brilliant present. Thank you. No, <laughs> there you go. Let's see what you've got. Come on. Sticker dolly dressing princesses. Wow. Can I do that with you? No, okay. What have you got? Earmuffs. Oh, you could put those on and then you wouldn't have to hear me. There you go. Oh, oh, look at this. Does she have a name? Meredith. Meredith. Like in, okay, yeah, Merida. She's beautiful. Oh, classy, classy. 
For those who don't know, there's a heart on there that changes color. Oh, <laughs> that's very clever. Let's see what you've got. Look at that. Look at that. Whoa. I have a snap game. You have a snap game. We'll play that after church, okay? It's a bit loud for church. And this one as well, amazing balloon modeling. Yeah, this was, this was for, for just the, the end, so, so the little ones can have them. Oh, it's at the end to give to the little ones. Yeah. So you're giving that to me yeah. to give to the little ones. Yeah. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you so much. Well done. Oh, give me a hug then. <laughs> oh. The new coat, I love, I love these, and I love the new coat. That is so classy. Can you please get your dad one of these? would help him. Look at him. He's standing at the back there. On you go. Thank you. That's great. And thank you so much for this. Presents. Yeah. Now, if you're very, very small, then when you get a present and it's all wrapped up in the paper, have you ever seen this? That a, 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 like a six-month-old is more interested in the paper than the present. You see that sometimes. And that's actually quite, quite funny. Well, sometimes... Adults are like that when it comes to Christmas because we're more interested in things like the Christmas tree and the food and the Christmas jumpers. Uh, you'll note that after slagging everyone off last week, I did my best to get, try and get a Christmassy type jumper. This is as close as I could get. Uh, but we're more interested in that than we are in what's really in all that wrapping and what's in the box. And that's, of course, who Jesus Christ is. And I want us to think about that. I've been reading, uh, I actually read three great books about Christmas, one by our own Sinclair, one by Alistair Begg, and one by Tim Keller. And Tim, today in the New York Post, has an article in which he says this. It's a lengthy quote, but please forgive me. I think you'll appreciate this. He says, Christmas is about receiving presents, but consider how challenging it is to receive certain kinds of gifts. Some gifts, by their very nature, make you swallow your pride. Imagine opening a a present on Christmas morning from a friend, and it's a dieting book. (laughs) Been there, done that. (laughs) Then you take off another ribbon and wrapper, and you find it's another book from another friend entitled Overcoming Selfishness. If you say to them, thank you so much, you are in fact admitting, I am fat and obnoxious. In other words, some gifts are hard to receive because to do so is to admit you have flaws and weaknesses and you need help. Perhaps on some occasion you had a friend who figured out you were in financial trouble and came to you and offered a large sum of money to get you out of your predicament. If that has ever happened to you, you probably found that to receive the gift meant swallowing your pride. There has never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. And that, by the way, is why so many people don't get Christmas, because you don't understand the need that you are in. Christmas, says Keller, means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. That means you are not somebody who can pull yourself together and live a moral and good life. Now, the shepherds were told, as we read, that they were to go and see. And let's see something of what that means. If we, I want you to have a look at this photo for a minute. The next one, please. Now, I apologize about the quality of it. That's Aleppo. And what's really interesting is the one with the Christmas tree, that is uh, Aleppo yesterday. 
It's really hard to get this photo because it's not reported on the BBC. Um, I managed to get something off the Daily Mail. Um, there were thousands and thousands of people in eastern Aleppo celebrating Christmas. And why were they celebrating? Because one of the things you don't hear in our news is what was happening in eastern Aleppo. Uh, I, if, um, I'm not going to read it because it's too graphic. But read it out or say it. But uh, Archbishop Cranmer, the blogger, has probably the most moving post I think I've ever read, which I read this week about uh, 11 Syrian Christians in East Aleppo, in villages in East Aleppo, who, um, when the, what the BBC called the rebels, and it's an interesting term, the rebels and the regime, and obviously you're meant to sympathize with the rebels. What the BBC called the rebels when they took over their villages, these uh, 11 Christians were church leaders, house groups leaders. They'd all been converted from Islam, and they were asked, have you changed from Islam to, Christ, to follow Jesus Christ? And they said, yes. And they said, well, will you change back? And they said, no. And all of them were crucified, and all of them were beheaded. And so, you know, when we read about East Aleppo, it's horrific, and not defending at all Assad, who is a wicked dictator, but don't divide the world simply into these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. In fact, what happened in East Aleppo has been horrendous. And for many Christians in that city, it's, it has actually been a liberation. that They are able to celebrate Christmas openly. Well, Aleppo is interesting because it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, known city in the world. Um, in Isaiah's time, Aleppo was there. I'm very much involved in what we read in Isaiah's time. Only in Isaiah's time, it was the Lord's people, the Jews, who were being persecuted and killed and destroyed in the way that seems to have gone on for centuries. So Isaiah comes with this news. Uh, let's go on to the next one. Verse 11 of Isaiah 62. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to his daughter Zion, see your Savior comes. See his reward is with him. And his recompense accompanies him. God makes an announcement. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, they came and they said, this is what God says. This is the glory of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And there's a proclamation of peace. Now, it's quite funny. I think an awful lot of Christmas messages from church leaders seem to be a bit pathetic. Jesus came to bring us peace, but it hasn't happened. Let's hope it does happen. And it just seems so useless to me. I think that what's being told here is that ultimately through Christ, there will come peace. And that that is the only way to find peace. There are... Today, many hundreds of thousands of people who, because of what they have seen of the persecution of Christians in the Middle East, have turned away from their faith and turned towards Jesus Christ. He speaks of the coming salvation. He talks about your Savior comes, daughter of Zion. If you go back earlier in Isaiah, then you find that there was the Lord saying, there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene so his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. Or in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. 
See, there's a very simplistic argument that people use. They would say, well, if God really cares, why doesn't he intervene and stop it? Well, if you stop and you think about that, what you really mean is, why doesn't God control everybody so that nobody does anything wrong? But then that would stop us being able to freely love him. And I think one of the price of our freedom and our moral responsibility is that the Lord sometimes lets us receive the consequences of our own actions. But he has intervened, and he has acted, and he has sent Jesus. And it's through the proclamation of Jesus Christ that the good news comes through the shepherds, through the kings, through us, to the whole world. And I love the bit in this verse that says, and his recompense or his reward accompanies him. It's talking about Jesus coming, and he's bringing his reward. It's like... um, um, Next, next year, when Dundee win the Scottish Cup and the following year, the European Cup, when they have the parade through, um, when they have the parade through Dundee City Centre in front of the Caird Hall, they'll be carrying the reward. They'll be lifting the cup. They'll be rejoicing. Well, what's this image of the Savior coming and his reward? What is his reward? I find this just very encouraging and very fascinating. His, the, the reward is his people. The reward is his work. The reward is those of us who've come to believe and trust in him. It's like, I don't know, well, I know some of you what jobs you do, and some jobs that you do, they're more obvious about what you do. You know, if you're a carpenter and you make something, well, it's kind of great. You've got your reward. If you're a farmer and, you know, you're sowing the seed, then come August, you're, you're reaping the seed. You've got your reward. Uh, if you're a social worker, what's your reward? Well, there is a reward involved in helping people and, and being with people. If you're a nurse or a doctor and people are healed and, you know, there are nurses and doctors I could go to and say, look, I owe you my life. And that's supposed to be great job satisfaction to be able to have that and to do that. If you're an artist and you finally get that painting done or a songwriter and you just finally crafted that song. That's your reward. Something that you take home after work. Something that you're really proud of and happy about. You've made something. You've healed someone. You've written something. What Christ does is he says, this is my reward. These people, they are my reward. And I think when the shepherds are told that this is good news for all the earth, especially for them, To hear this from the angels was absolutely stunning. You may not think of yourself as the reward of anyone, but in Christ's eyes, because you are his people, you are. Now we're going to sing again, and uh, then we're not done. Don't get your hopes up too quickly. We're going to sing again, and then we're just going to look at the the next verse before uh, we close. We're going to sing, See Amid the Winter's Snow, Born for Us on Earth Below. See, the tender lamb appears, promised from eternal years. And the lamb, by the way, for those who are maybe not used to worshiping in a a Christian church, the lamb refers to Jesus, not just as the cute, cuddly, but the lamb who was to be sacrificed. That's why he appeared for our sins. Let's stand and sing, see amid the winter snow. Under the, both Wow. You see, you're so blessed. There wasn't a stocking at the end of my bed, and there's no presents under the tree for me. Just feel for me. 
feel my pain. I know. We're having Christmas a wee bit later because our daughter's coming over from Australia, which will be really, really nice. Um, and when you go home, you're going to have Christmas dinner. What are you having for Christmas dinner? Does anyone know? Turkey. You're not sure? Probably having turkey. Anyone else? Anyone not having turkey? What are you guys having? Chicken. Go for it. It'd be different. Or a goose. You're going to have that. What else? And ham. Chicken and ham. That sounds like a great meal. I'll invite myself around. No. It's, you know, when we have our Christmas meal, whenever we have it, none of us are going to see what happened here. Look, can, Jacinda, can we go back onto the slide? I want to go back to the photo, please. Um, let's go back to the photo. Now, you see the photo, one's the Christmas tree. The other is, as they were celebrating Christmas, there was a bomb went off. And someone tried to disrupt. Nobody was killed, thankfully. A couple of people were injured. And that's them clearing up the mess. That's the world we live in, I'm afraid. None of us are going to expect a bomb to go off when we're celebrating Christmas. And bringing peace isn't just as simple as saying, well, I wish there would be peace, or I wish it could be Christmas every day. That's not how it works. So let's go on to verse 12. And just think a little bit about that. They will be called the holy people the redeemed of the Lord, and you will be called, sought after, the city no longer deserted. Now, I love this because the shepherds saw things, but the shepherds also heard things. And one of the things they heard was that God's blessing, peace would be upon those on whom God's favor rests. Now, what does that mean? It means his people. And he describes who his people are. And I want to say this. The greatest gift you will ever receive is to belong to the people of Jesus Christ. That's why you see those 11 Syrian Christians were able to say, no, we're not going to turn back and we're not going to run away. We are going to continue to follow Jesus because that is the most important thing. And, And look how they're described here, the holy people. They will be called the holy people. Now in the In an earlier part of the Bible, in Exodus, God's people were promised, you will be a holy nation. But they never just quite made it. But now, we've been told, this is how you are seen. And holy just means set apart for God. It doesn't mean um, the kind of sanctimonious, I don't know, religious person who go, oh, they're awful holy, which means they're awful miserable. That's not what it means. It means they are people who in God's eyes are clean and pure and have done nothing wrong. Hebrews 10 says this, When this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. I remember one time being told by uh, another farm worker on a farm I was working, oh, Dave, you're awful holy, eh? And it was a great commendation for the free church ministry, which I'd applied for at the time. And I said, can you come and be a testimony for me? Because I'm not sure everyone else would agree with that. But it's, he, he was, why was he saying that? He was saying that because I didn't laugh at his dirty jokes. He's saying that because I didn't swear and a whole series of negative things. I knew that there was lots of things wrong with me. And yet, uh, as you can tell, I didn't forget what he said because I just thought, 
Lord, I want to be as holy as can be. But for me, the great thing is it's not about you try and work out how holy you can be. It's that Christ has made us holy. And I know that when God looks upon me because of what Jesus has done, he doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see what's wrong. He's taken that away. And that's a great, great gift if you're a Christian. There are people here who will be struggling with guilt, struggling in so many different ways. And you need to learn to see yourself as God sees you because of what Christ has done. That's why we rejoice about Christ. They're also called the redeemed of the Lord. And that's just a word that redeemed is the next of kin. You know, Christmas is about family. And it's what your family do for you and family being in touch and family all meeting up and so on. And this is Jesus coming alongside us as our next of kin, as our nearest relative. And he's taking our needs as his own. Earlier, Isaiah said this, only the redeemed will walk there and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. If you are a Christian, God has taken every one of your debts. Jesus has taken every one of your sins. Jesus has provided for you so that nothing you have done, nothing you have said, nothing you can do, nothing you can say or think will ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you will be called sought after. Some of you know what it's like to be popular. Some of you don't. Um, But that's just what it's, I mean, I don't know when you were at school, there's always one person, everyone, you know, they were the first to be picked for the football team. You can tell I've got issues. They were the first to be asked to dance. They were the first. Teacher's pet up to the front will do this. Oh, it's always them. Why is it always them? And they, they always seem to have everything and just get everything. And then there were those who just, it seemed as though nobody ever wanted us. We just felt so all alone and miserable and, and, and so on. And some of us sometimes feel like that. In Isaiah, we often hear of God's people seeking the Lord. But here's something quite extraordinary. My people, says God, will be the ones who are sought after. Jesus is the one who seeks. John 9, 35, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. If you are a Christian, let me tell you why you're a Christian. Because Jesus sought you and found you. It's not because you're good. It's not because you're better than anyone else. It's not because of something that you did. It's because Jesus sought you and found you. And here's the great hope I have for this city of Dundee and around. I believe that Jesus is still seeking people. Even in this past year in this church, we have seen people come in here for no other reason than Jesus was seeking them. And he drew them. I remember a long time ago, uh, a young Muslim man who lived across there. And he woke up in the middle of the night after having had a dream of an open Bible and perfume coming from it. And um, he got up and he wondered what it was about. He opened the window and he saw the church tower and he said, I have to go to church. And in he came. That's pretty spectacular. Most people, it's not like that. They were invited by a friend. They just got an urge. I remember a man down the Perth Road woke up one morning and never having been in church in his life said, I need to go to church. Walked up the road a bit, came to a church door and thought, no, that's not the one. He had no idea. Then came in here and said, this is the one. And he sat and he listened and by the evening, he'd become a Christian. That's, that's pretty special. 
But most of us, Jesus seeks in little ways. And, and, you know, especially again, I think of the children here. What a tremendous blessing all the covenant children are who, who Christ is already seeking. And many, many more. We hope to have a church plant in Charleston so that Christ will seek people there. And that's our great hope. Last thing is this, the city no longer deserted. Isaiah 54, the Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young, only to be rejected, says your God. The deserted city. You go to Aleppo and you go into East Aleppo and you will find streets there today that are deserted because of the bombardment and the the horror of war. And yet you will also find that there are, these streets are being re-inhabited, if you like. I think there's an image here of the battered, destroyed city of God, Jerusalem, to becoming the joy of the whole earth. It seems sometimes to me a little incongruous to see uh, Christians kind of moaning all the time about different things when we should realize that we can't lose. We should realize that because of what Jesus has done, yes, he will make his enemies his footstool, and yes, he does reign, and yes, his purposes are being worked out. And even although this world at times can be dark and horrific, the interview with the leader of the ministry of which these 11 uh, Syrian Christians worked for it was an incredible interview because he was, he was very emotional, as you can imagine. He felt some degree of responsibility. But also, there was in his eyes a real joy. Not the joy of the fanatic who goes and kills for people. We don't kill for Christ. But we live for him. And if we are called to, we will die for him. Our perspective needs to be a different perspective. John L. Mackay, in writing about this, these verses, says this, Our perspective is frequently short-term because we focus on the things that are seen. And you can do that this Christmas. Some of you will look and you go, this is great. Look at this present. Look at this. Look at, and the others will go, another jumper, another pair of socks. You know. or, or actually, to be honest, you'll look at the table and you'll see that there are people who are not there anymore. And that's hard to bear. We focus on the things that are seen, but Isaiah's conclusion reminds us of the need to adjust our vision of life to take in the things that are unseen. As we consider the eternal and glorious provision that is made for the people of God and the central role in it of the anointed one, our priorities are reordered in a heavenly fashion as we look to Jesus. So we look at the table and the loved one is not there, but we look to eternity and we see that they are in glory at the eternal table to which we are going. They're not the ones who are missing. We are the ones who are missing. We're on our way. We're not there yet. They are. And that's a very, very different perspective. Our priorities are reordered in a heavenly fashion as we look to Jesus. Some of us, we're still looking at the wrapping. We're still looking at the tinsel. We're still wondering about the height and size of the Christmas tree or what we're going to eat. We're forgetting what it's all really about. Mackay goes on, let us avert our gaze from all that would distract us and focus 
our attention on him. It is beyond irony that there are a significant number of churches in the U.S., I can't believe this, who are not holding services today because it's Christmas. That's insane. Christmas is about Christ. And when you sit down for your meal and you give thanks for all that God has given you, and he has given you so much, he has given me so much, just let's not forget the absolute center and heart of it all, Jesus Christ. And those who are, those of you who are really struggling this Christmas day and who find just it all a little bit too much and a little bit too garish and you just wish it was all over, why don't you focus on who Christ is and what he has done? You will be called sought after. You will be the city no longer deserted. And if you're not a Christian, then I guess that original quote comes in. Jesus is a gift and you think I don't need him. Well, I pray that you will see that you do. That there's nothing and no one that you need more than Christ. When you grasp that, you'll be, as Christ himself said, like the man who discovered treasure in a field and sold everything he had in order to purchase that field. May God grant that you would know and see his treasure and know the greatest gift of all. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Bless it to us. Enable us to understand. Enable us to rejoice in you. Those of us who even this Christmas have heavy hearts, are concerned about so many things, grant that we would look away from ourselves to you. Those of us who are filled with the joys, Lord, grant that we would look away from ourselves and look to you so that our joy may be real and lasting. For we ask it in your name. Amen. We're going to finish by singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and we'll stand to sing, and then please remain standing for the benediction. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org Thanks for listening.